Gary DePaul with Unlabeled Leadership. Welcome to episode 14. Jack Bucalo explains leadership skills that CEOs desire. Jack and I continue from where we left off in episode 11. With that, let's get started. In episode 11, Jack clarified that chief executive officers and line executives are the ultimate customers of leadership training. Many executives believe that leadership training fails because they just lack practical business value. In other words, the training doesn't really help them run the business. Jack highlighted two highly reputable studies which indicate that leadership training for mid and upper management should be more about job-related hard skills than the soft skills And both types of skills should be mixed in the training and it should be done within the practical context of real world business objectives. In other words, talent developers, the people that make the training, should use something called situated learning. Part one, hard and soft skills. In the old days, talent developers would create training that's built on topics. They would identify the topics, throw in the content, maybe some exercises, and call it a day. Nowadays, it's a little different. Talent developers would identify the desired performance that you would need for a particular audience and how that performance aligns with or supports the business goals. So the training is built on the performance and not the topics. The topics are secondary. And of course, it's about the skills and knowledge that goes with the training. Jack puts this in perspective. Here's Jack. Well, Gary, first of all, the talent developers and instructors should, for this type of a leadership development program should be a mix of outside experts from consulting firm staff, independent consultants such as yourself, graduate school business staff, and inside experts within your company who know the latest and the most innovative skills being utilized today. Well, Jack, if you add the expense of including outside experts, is the cost worth it? Yeah, I believe so. I would say on the average, the added cost would be about uh, 25%, somewhere in that ballpark. But it is far outweighed by the practical business value that is derived from this type of program And I'll make reference to that later. Okay, that makes sense. The talent developers in this type of a program must understand the specific fiscal year business objectives for each of the attendees, which are generally established just before or right at the start of the fiscal year itself. These business objectives tend to be financial, operational, or strategic in nature, but are generally written down by the management involved. In addition to getting and understanding these business objectives, you need to communicate with the attendee's boss and the boss's boss, if you will, two levels above the attendee's level to understand any upper management implications uh, to these business objectives. An important thing here is that these business objectives are not what you would typically uncover in a training needs analysis. So 
do not confuse understanding these business objectives with conducting a typical training needs analysis. They're two entirely different procedures. So what you're saying, Jack, is that the outcomes for leadership development programs should support the performance, and that enables attendees to achieve business objectives? Oh, and when I say business objectives, I mean the ones that are most vital to the organization's overall profitability and strategic growth. Absolutely. The important thing is that the leadership development staff must uncover the collective soft skills that are directly related to meeting these specific business objectives. And, and again, we'll illustrate this as, as we move forward. You should look at these soft skills collectively, the patterns that they may identify, and we'll try to illustrate that by using two examples here. The first example has to do with a group of general manager who might operate a $50 million per annum or larger business unit. And the second one will be a group of manufacturing directors who would be reporting to a vice president of manufacturing. The typical general manager business objectives might sound like uh, increasing sales by a certain percentage improving operating profit as a percent of revenue by 12 to 13%, improving or getting a new product plan to market much sooner than previously had been the case, trying to achieve a better direct linkage between the company's current and future product and service plans and the customer's specific business objectives and strategy, along with possibly preparing for the acquisition of a new business, which would utilize a brand new technology. Jack, can you provide some examples of leadership soft skills that directly support business objectives? Happy to, Gary. Some examples here would be improving teamwork, motivating office and uh, remote working staffs together, improving the remote working effectiveness and efficiency, and probably building trusting relationships between various key parts of the organization. Those skills relate to the seven leadership principles that I discuss in my books. In particular, I'm thinking of collaborating with others, connecting with others, even the principle putting others first because of how it relates to improving remote work. Absolutely. You and others have noticed one of the lessons from the pandemic is the need to check in with employees to find out how they're doing and what barriers they have. Doing so builds trust When this happens, employees feel valued and they know that you care about them as people. Right. And the other thing I would add, Gary, is that you're teaching the soft skills that are specifically needed to achieve a specific business objective within a very practical context, rather than just teaching various soft skills that may or may not have a relationship to the business. In this case, you're certain that these skills are directly related to the achievement of the business objective. Let me tackle the, um, the second example, that is of the uh, manufacturing directors who report to a manufacturing vice president. Okay. Here, if you look collectively at the typical business objectives, you might observe things like improving overall quality performance for each product by 2%. 
reducing the company's cash flow needs for all of its purchases by 10 million, achieving improved manufacturing delivery performance by 10%, or increasing production efficiency by 1%. Now, again, when you look at all of these business objectives collectively and you reduce those into various key patterns, this is what you'll typically find for manufacturing people. If those then become, uh, if you will, the content of the business objectives of the training, the next question is, well, what are the related soft leadership skills that can help facilitate their achievement? These could be improving inter and intra-departmental communications, achieving more innovation within manufacturing that exceeds industry standards, could be improving teamwork on all major interdepartmental projects. Again, like the other illustration, these are software leadership skills that are not general in nature, that may or may not be applicable. They are specifically and directly related to the achievement of a business objective. And that's the key relationship there. I like those examples in particular because they're centered around strengthening communication. Much of leadership is about communicating. Most of the leadership practices I talk about involve communication. You can even get the impression just from some of the titles. And by the way, in future episodes, I'll talk about these different practices. So the examples I think of are communicating like agents, directing like guides, and facing the unknown like lions. They all involve communication. I'll throw one other thing in. You mentioned interdepartmental projects. When those are done right, and I'm sure in your role as chief HR officer, you've seen this, that those types of projects substantially build innovation. Absolutely. And innovation is so critical nowadays to your competitive status in the marketplace. Anything you can do to foster that through your training programs is critically needed. Part two, action plans. During the training design phase, talent developers have to think about what it will be like for the learners to go back into their environments to begin applying this. So what can they do to help learners be more effective in applying what they learn? This is what I call the takeaway. Learners are given some type of performance support, whether it's coaching after the training or a job aid or a tool. These are things that can make it easier for the learners. Jack talks about one type of performance support. He calls them action plans. Again, here's Jack. As we get to the end of the leadership development program, each attendee should establish the broad parameters of an action plan, which is designed to achieve one or more of the important business objectives for the organization. And within one month, each attendee should conduct several meetings with their own staff to develop a detailed action plan that can be submitted to their superiors. And this detailed action plan is where the practical business value of the training comes in. We're dealing with the specific business objectives that are critical to the financial strength and strategic success of the company. For one or two of those, we're, for each of the attendees, we're developing a detailed action plan that he or she can put into effect to help achieve these business objectives. 
And those kinds of assurances give the upper management the comfort level that each of these business objectives are supported by a detailed action plan to help them be accomplished. Ironically, there is a major byproduct that comes from teaching the hard and the soft skills together. After the line executives realize the significant business value that such programs bring, they are much more favorably inclined to look at leadership development programs that deal solely with soft skills. Jack, can you elaborate on that? Absolutely. We know that most upper-level management have that natural bent towards the hard skills. They look at hard skills as 75% of the mix and soft skills as 25% of the mix. So when we are able to design a leadership development program that helps them to achieve the hard skills and, and the hard business objectives that have to be achieved, you do that successfully. The line management then has a tendency to say, you know, these guys helped me achieve some of my business objectives, and they did a pretty good job working with my management team. So now when they are about to present a separate program on some kind of soft skill that we feel is critical throughout the company, you know, I'm much more inclined to send my people to that program to see whether or not it has applicability throughout other parts of our organization and see if we can use those soft skills much more effectively in the future. I'm going to throw something out there that I just thought of. You say that general managers and executives may appreciate leadership training that uses that 75-25 hard and soft skill split. Wouldn't it be interesting if talent development teams implement a few leadership programs using that split as a guide, and because of the positive effect, they incorporate hard skills in future leadership development programs. And wouldn't it be interesting if they went back and revised their existing courses so that it would also include hard skills? Absolutely. Once you prove the successful worth of providing more practical business value through leadership development programs that have both the hard and the soft skills, from that point on, it's a mutually beneficial situation because the line executives get to see the value of the soft skills and the hard skills, and the leadership development staff get a chance to see the important relationship between the two sets of skills. That makes sense. I think so, too. In conclusion, it's my view that the CEOs and line executives will gain a much more favorable view of the company's leadership development function when, and only when, they see that their leadership development programs for senior to upper management directly helps them to achieve their specific business objectives, which will help the company, in turn, to achieve its improved profitability and strategic success. The only meaningful way to do that is to teach the appropriate mix of hard and soft skills together in a workshop setting that pragmatically helps the attendee to achieve some of his or her actual business objectives. Well, Jack, I'm curious, what do you think would happen in 10 to 20 years from now if leadership development programs continue to only use soft skills? Gary, I'm afraid that the opinions of CEOs and line executives will continue to be that their leadership development programs have failed them. 
having personally witnessed the success of this type of leadership development program, which adds direct practical business value to the company. I know that these leadership type programs can be effectively designed in a way to meet a company's business needs and objectives and the leadership development needs at the same time. My thanks to Jack and Jack, thank you for your military service. To learn more about Jack, go to the show notes for links. And also, if you have a question for Jack or myself about leadership development or anything, or you have a comment to make, go to unlabeledleadership.com and look for the message icon. Click it and you can leave a message, a voicemail message, up to one minute. Thanks to those who support the show. You're what helps the show keep going. And most importantly, thank you for listening. Until next time, lead on.